Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Ruben Ingber and I'll be your host. Before we get started, I want to once again thank the wonderful Gary Vaynerchuk uh, for sending me this awesome microphone. Um, I really appreciate it and it's made the show sound a hundred times better. And if you have a moment, check out Gary's new book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. Um, it's a fantastic read on social media and how companies interact. And now I want to welcome to the show uh, Jeff Sel- Jeff Sheldon, founder and designer of Ugmonk. And Jeff, uh, for the people who don't know you, don't know who you are and don't know who the brand Ugmonk is, why don't you introduce yourself and the brand a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, like you said, my name is Jeff Sheldon. I live uh, just outside of Philadelphia, and I'm a designer by trade. And I started Ugmonk uh, about five. Five and a half years ago, and uh, it was just a side project that I was doing for fun, and turned into what is now my full-time job, and has turned into a lot more than I ever imagined. That's so. I mean, it's so amazing to talk to somebody who launched a brand, and I know that you launched it uh, just a, just after graduating college. And I'm wondering, what was sort of the the catalyst for you starting your own brand? Like, what inspired you to launch uh, the the company? Yeah. So a little bit of the backstory. Um, I was. In college, uh, studying design, I'd always been doing art and creating things, making things um, ever since I was little. You know, I was fascinated by the creation process and carried that all the way into college. Um, then I heard about um, a couple of the t-shirt competitions like Threadless and Design by Humans where you could submit different uh, shirt concepts and then people would vote on them. If yours got the highest number of votes and was selected, they would print the shirt and then you get a cash prize. And, um, you know, as a college student, I was like, you know, this sounds awesome, so I I gave it a shot, and uh, I tried a few times, and then I ended up winning one on um, Designed by Humans, and uh, you know, you get a, you get the cash, you get your shirt printed, and it was the first thing I actually had seen um, a physical product that I made being professionally printed, and I got it, and it was, you know, so I kept doing that, um, doing a couple more of those competitions, and started getting some other t-shirt clients even from it, um, but in the back of my mind, I was kind of always thinking, you know, what if I just started my own brand rather than licensing the artwork or giving the the rights to the artwork up to these companies and that was really all the the back uh story of Ugmonk um how it got started and my you know I didn't have a master plan of launching even a brand or even a, a business I wouldn't consider myself someone that you know had started other businesses and was always thinking in those terms it was more like I want to make stuff. I want to make these shirts that I would wear that I like, and I think if I can find a handful of other people that like the same thing, um, you know, then I can start a little web shop and just do it on the side, just as a passion project. Well, you've you've certainly found plenty of people who like your your design aesthetic and your brand. Um, you know, I know that you have a loyal following. Uh, we met at Brooklyn Beta, and I, you know, everyone, you know, I saw a bunch of people coming up to you and you know saying, "Oh man, you're the guy from Ugmonk." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely crazy. It's taken on. You know, way more, like I said, way more than ever dreamed it would be, or even had thought um, back in, um, you know, five and a half years ago when I launched it. So it's it's taken me for a wild ride, but I mean, I enjoy every minute of it. And there's a lot of challenges, but there's you know the huge reward of of going to the, you know a conference and meeting people in person from all over the world that have you know bought my shirts and supported me um, over the past few years. I know it must be amazing, and I know that when you first launched uh, your business, and yeah, at the same time you were working full time, um, and that must that must have been crazy and difficult. How were you able to you know balance that out? You know, working you know a full time nine to five or whatever job, and selling hundreds, if not thousands, of t shirts at this point. Yeah, it was definitely time consuming. Uh, there was 
you know, it's a balancing act, you know, working full time. Um, it was a lot of late nights and a lot of weekends where I spent just, my wife and I were just packing shirts and taking them to the post office and, you know, doing inventory counts and answering customer service emails. And, um, it was, so it's a definitely, it was definitely a labor of love in that sense. Um, but because I wasn't really launching, I, I didn't think of it as launching this huge brand or this huge company. I kind of was just doing it on the side and it was growing. Um, the expectations weren't as crazy. I wasn't, you know, I didn't set up things properly. There's a lot of stuff I probably didn't do right, you know, tax purposes and different uh, things right off the get-go because I didn't really think it was going to be more than, you know, a little kind of creative outlet. Um, but because I was, you know, working full-time, I had to just basically take the off hour and those weekends and instead of, you know, doing a lot of fun things and, and hanging out with friends, there was a lot of, you know, Friday nights where it was me and the computer and I'm designing away or, or packing shirts and really just the dedication. Um, it started small. It wasn't hundreds of shirts right away or thousands of shirts like it is now but um you know those initial few months and those first couple of years were crucial to dedicate all that time to it of course and you know i i know that you had no uh actual business training you know you didn't you didn't get an mba and you didn't start this isn't you know your second third or fourth project i'm wondering what what do you what do you take from those first few months that have carried you now through the years that you've learned you know, as, you know, doing it hands-on? I think part of that aspect of it, since I didn't have the MBA, and I think having the MBA would have helped me in a lot of areas, but it also, it kind of broke down the barriers, and I didn't get caught up in that. I was just caught up in creating, you know, figuring out how do I print a T-shirt, you know, how do I uh, reach out to bloggers, how do I get involved in the design community or, or reach out to people that might be interested in what I'm doing, and because I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of these. You know, I didn't write a business plan. I wasn't caught up in how am I going to get funding. You know, it was just started. You know, with basically uh, the first two hundred shirts, and then after I sold the first two hundred, uh, put all that money back into the the business, and then four hundred, eight hundred, and, and kind of just kept all the money going like that. Um, so because I wasn't thinking of it, um, you know, as a big corporation or maybe the way that a business major or somebody with an MBA was thinking of. There's a lot of things that actually helped me because of that. There's certainly areas where I could have improved. But because of that, I just kept it really simple. And it was whatever was common sense and felt, you know, just going with my gut, that's really kind of been the philosophy that drove how I how I grew the brand. Well, you know, you talk <clears throat> on your site, you talk about taking uh, Ugmunk full time and, you know, making your full time path. How did you how did you prepare yourself and, you know, prepare you know, the company to take that, you know, to take that step forward, you know, going from it being a side project to being your full-time gig. I'm wondering, you know, what, what did you do to prepare yourself and really prepare the company for it? Yeah. So I think it's different for each person and each scenario. A lot of people ask me this and kind of, you know, when did you know you could do it? How big was the risk? And, and from the outside, you know, it was definitely a risk, but it was a, a calculated risk. Um, because I'd kept all the money in the business for the first two years, I didn't take, I didn't touch any of that money. So it was all invested in inventory or just, you know, cash sitting in the bank, um, you know, ready to invest in, into other things of, uh, growing the brand. I had a nice buffer there. Um, and then also just sitting down and figuring out the numbers, um, of how many shirts I'd need to sell, you know, and, and how far away was I from that number and how close, how much more could I sell if I was dedicating all my time to it. And, it really, you know, when it got to the point where it was, I couldn't keep staying up till midnight uh, packing shirts and then going working full time the next day. Um, my wife and I just talked about it and kind of 
you know, said this, this is the time to do it. We didn't have a lot of other financial obligations and, uh, we, we, you know, crunched the numbers and then said, you know, let's, let's go for it. This is the time in our lives to do it. And, uh, figured out I could do, you know, freelance work to 50% freelance work. 50% would be the revenue from the business. Well, that 50% quickly became zero on the freelance side. And I just didn't have time to, to manage freelance clients as well. Cause the brand was growing a lot more. Um, so it was a risk, but it was also a capital risk. And I think I can't really give a, a formula for anybody else to say, you know, when is that magic time? When is the time to, to take the leap? Um, it just really depends on your circumstances. And for, for where were we at, it was, uh, you know, a risk we had to take, but at the same time, we felt good doing it. No, that, that's like, you know, it's something you have to think about whenever you're doing anything, you have to be prepared for it yourself. Now on the brand site, you know, on the Egmont website, um, you say, uh, and I'm quoting direct from the site. It's more than just a T-shirt. It's more than just T-shirts. It's a mindset. Um, what do you mean by that? Like, what what is the Ugmunk mindset? And do you, are people starting to embody that as you know a new you know a group of core you know followers? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard you know a lot of different things from a lot of different people. What they think Ugmunk is, you know, a lot of people would have said initially that it was just another t-shirt brand or some people would consider it a streetwear brand. Um, but it doesn't really fit into any of those categories. Um, I kind of, the best term that I can come up with is a, a design lifestyle brand. And the, what I, what I mean by that is that the t-shirts were the first medium of putting that simple, minimal style, that aesthetic that gets tied to Ugmonk now. T-shirts were the first part of that, but it was never about me trying to sell a shirt and tell you that this shirt is the most comfortable shirt and it's gonna, you know, this is it's comparing it to other shirts and things like that. While I do emphasize quality, and I think those things are extremely important, it was never about that. It was more about the kind of the stylism and the the minimal aesthetic that I was putting on the shirts that I knew could translate to a lot more than just shirts. And since then, obviously, if you're looking at the site, you can see that I've gone um, way beyond just T-shirts and other clothing, and then you know, leather goods and prints, and we just launched a kids line re- recently. But they all kind of embody that same simplicity, and um, I think it's hard to quantify what that is. What what is Ugmunk? But because that that same theme, and I've stayed really true to that style, even though it's evolved over the last few years, it's kind of Ugmunk. And people that get it, um, they really understand. And, and you know, it doesn't take me convincing them to understand it. It's just the people that get it get it, and the people that don't, that's fine. It's not for them. <laughs> No, you you really do create uh, amazing products, not just your T-shirts. I mean, I'm sitting here at my desk and I have the uh, the metal ambersand sitting next to me, and I think it's you know one of the one of the most beautiful things I actually own. And and I'm wondering like, what is your process for co- your your products? Although they're T-shirts and they're notebooks and they're sweatshirts and they're you know Christmas tree ornaments. At one point, I remember. Mm-hmm. You know they're all different, and you know every, you know there lots of brands will sell them, but yours have like a real have some depth to them. And I'm wondering how you how you come up with them and how you work through the process. And you know I've seen I've seen a lot of your blog posts about the process, and I'm wondering if you could you know walk us through a little bit of how an how something becomes an Ugmunk product. Yep. Yeah. I think the the real test um, for any product, whether it's a, a leather journal or it's a T-shirt or um, if it's a Christmas ornament, you know, I made those little t-shirt ornaments just as a kind of a fun extension of the brand. And again, people that are follow, have been following the brand for a while, you know, really latch on to stuff like that and, and get a kick out of that. But everything comes back to, is it something that I would personally buy or use or wear? And 
it sounds you know simple or it might sound even selfish that I'm creating products, but if it's not something that I like, then I won't create it. And um, there's tons of other things that I could apply the designs um, to. You know, I could screen print on just about anything and stick it on my site and just monetize it and hope that it sells. But for me, I want you know if I'm going to make a coffee mug, I want that mug to be something that I'm going to use. Um, the same with the shirts, same with anything that's on the site, and that kind of, so it starts with maybe I wouldn't necessarily call it a need because you know a t-shirt is not it's not like it's filling a need other I mean other than that it's clothes and you can wear them but it's something that relates to what I like so I'm creating things that you know I want to see that exist in the world um, you know I was using the little leather mouse pad because um, I didn't have a mouse pad and I was working with a, a lady to create the, the hand bound leather journals and that has kind of taken on its whole uh, whole world of its own and uh, and now it's become one of our better sellers recently, people are just really interested in the way that the leather transforms and um, ages over time. But all that starts with things that I wanted to exist. That the the leather mouse pad is, has been on my to purchase list for a very long time. Yeah. So it's awesome. it it's just beautiful how it let, especially the pictures that you show how it grows and how it changes. You know, I think I think in this digital world we don't we don't get that very often anymore. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I'm wondering you on the website, and I know for the past, at least for the past two years, I probably more. Um, you've you've done a charity drive um, towards the end of the year, and I'm wondering why has that been such a big part of the Ugg Monk brand? And you know, does do the Ugg, I want to say the Ugg Monk followers do do they believe in that? Do, is that something that you started, or was it something more that you saw a need to do? It was definitely something that we started and um, was just more of a personal, um, you know, view and a personal thing that we wanted to do. So as the business, even the first year, the first six months, we were kind of, uh, we got featured on a few blogs and we started to sell more than just two or three shirts. And um, as the snowball was just barely starting and the momentum was barely starting, we were um, getting orders and getting international orders and all this. We just thought it would be really cool to give some of that back and um, you know, ties to my personal beliefs, and and I'm, you know, honestly, it's not a, a charity business. We're not doing a, a Tom shoes or a a business based around charity. But um, I'm also not trying to create the next big billion dollar, you know, design brand in the world. I'm just trying to keep creating things and and keep putting it back into the business and making more products. But the charity aspect is more of just a personal decision. And then we've also seen, you know, a lot of among community and customers really get behind that and. And help us, and and just giving back in a small way to, um, you know, the charities that we've partnered with to feed kids, and actually got to go down to the orphanages um, in Honduras and Nicaragua a few months ago, and we're headed back soon. Um, so that's really, again, it's almost a selfish thing. It's like I I really want to do this, um, but I'm willing to give you know a lot of some of the success that we have and give that back uh, in a small way to help other people. No, I mean that's so. I mean it's really fantastic. I I think that brands who 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 have the time and the energy to take out of their, you know, out of their own pocket to give back is, is amazing. Um, so a lot of people who are starting out are sometimes, you know, scared to share their work and share their designs and sell their stuff. Um, and because, you know, sometimes things get copied and whatnot. And you and I have a little bit of a funny story that, you know, one day I was walking in Chinatown in New York city and I'm walking past a store and I see an Ugg shirt that's clearly a knockoff. Um, and I'm wondering, and I sent you the picture, and yeah. you know we had a laugh about it at Berkeley yeah. Beta. Um, and I'm wondering how you go if you do anything, if you care, if you go about anything, you know, to try to keep 
the Ugmonk brand solid? And if you do, I'm wondering what advice do you give to people to sort of, you know, keep your brand solid? Yeah, well, I'll preface this by saying, you know, I'm not a lawyer and I don't know much that goes into a lot of the protecting the brand assets and, you know, bigger companies are investing millions and millions of dollars hiring lawyers and attorneys to copyright and protect everything and crush every little, you know, company that's ripping them off. Yes, um, if, you, if, you're seeking, if you're seeking legal advice, don't listen to the show. Talk exactly. to an attorney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So don't, don't take that from that point. But um, because I'm a smaller brand and, you know, we have grown quite a bit and we, you know, popping up here and there and when i have people you know seeing stuff like you did in chinatown i've had you know a handful of other knockoffs just straight copying you know i don't know if they're scanning in the shirt and printing it or how they're actually making these knockoffs but um you know they're going through they're taking the time to to take a small brand like ug monk and taking the the designs and just um uh completely ripping them off and selling them as their own but for me you know it is, it's very frustrating because I've spent a lot of time and it's a very personal brand for me and the designs, but the, again, the community around me. So I have people like you that are noticing these things and making me aware of them. Um, you know, people that are knocking things off. I'm not usually the one that sees the knockoff first. It's usually someone else that's a, a customer or a fan. They're sending me emails saying, Hey, they're knocking off your stuff. And they're like, I just sent them an nasty email and I told them to stop doing it. And like, it's it's crazy how the community rallies behind me to protect you know the monk brand. So I, you know, it's not like I'm I'm sicking lawyers on everyone to to do that type of thing on that scale at least yet. Um, but I have such passionate fans and followers, which I'm super thankful for, that are willing to look out for me and, and you know let, make me aware when stuff is happening. So although you could you know go down that road and invest and invest or waste a lot of money trying to do that. For me, you know, the people that know what Ugmonk is, they're only going to buy from me. They know they're not going to buy a knockoff because they know the real brand. So it's not really affecting the brand too much that I know of. I know that one of your big slogans or one of the big, you know, one of the early slogans from the site and from the products was, um, and then I woke up. And I'm wondering if you could share the story behind that. Yeah, I know. I think I need to make like a, a really good story, to, a interesting, more interesting story than what it actually is for some of these because a lot of people ask me that or they'll ask, you know, what, what exactly does the mountain shirt mean? And it's like, well, it's, you know, two overlapping triangles that create a third and it's, it's just visually, the, you know, the aesthetic that I like. But the, the, the And Then I Woke Up design, which was kind of our first um, most popular shirt and it still is, you know, one of our best-selling shirts five years or four years later. Um, it goes back to, you know, I was playing around with ampersands because for whatever reason, designers love ampersands. Yes, and we do. I'm not going to get all ph- philosophical on why or what makes them cool. But I was messing around with that. And as with, like, all the products, I like to, instead of just, you know, sticking an ampersand on a shirt and saying it's done, I like to add all these little details and little things um, in the shirts. Like, there's one that says slow and steady winds. And at the end of the, the winds, there's a little turtle um, trailing off the, the S. And it just adds to the whole meaning. But... Uh, for the and then I woke up shirt, I was doing different phrases that you know started with the word and and um, it, the the real story is that my wife would always tell me her dreams and she you know at the end of all the dreams the phrase it always ends with is and then I woke up um, and then I realized the more and more you start talking to people and they're saying hey, I had this dream and the phrase that it, the dream always has to end with is and then I woke up because that's you know it's a dream back to reality and it's just one of those clever little things there's not a lot of really deep philosophical meaning like I said but. It's catchy and it's kind of something you'll you'll catch yourself saying, um, and then it also adds just a little bit more than just sticking the ampersand on there. 
And then for whatever reason, that really latched on and people love it and they, they get a kick out of it. Um, so I know you, I know you went to design school and you have a former, uh, a formal design education. Um, I'm wondering if you would recommend if somebody was like, Hey, you know, if there's a high school student listening to this podcast and says, Hey, I want to start a t-shirt brand or I want to start some sort of brand like this. Um, would you rec- do you think that going to design school is, you know, a requirement to building a design, uh, based brand? Uh, definitely not. You know, I don't think you have to go to college to build a brand or to, to even, you know, to do freelance work. But I would say that it, one or two years will definitely help you uh, immensely. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, how you're applying yourself in your classes. So part of the reason that we have such a problem with college education now is that you're going through four years and a lot of people are kind of apathetic about what they're studying and then they get out and realize, oh, I should have actually cared. And um, so I think most of it has to do with how you're going to apply yourself, whether it's online classes. There's so many resources now online that you can look up tutorials and you can learn about typography and you can read the books, um, the same textbooks that you'd be reading in school. Um, but what college does and what school do- does is really gives you that focused time where you're not distracted by you know, a lot of other things. You have dedicated chunks and days of time to work on projects and, and be around other designers. And that's what, you, what I think was the big advantage of going to school. Um, do you have to go to school again? It's kind of just a personal thing. It's a, you know, you could. There's plenty of amazing designers that are you know 15, 16 years old and they're already like programming and, and uh, writing iPhone apps and all that. But um, I think there's some big advantages like that focus time and uh, you know having a professor, to, someone to ask and to really give you the grounds to like what is composition, and color theory, and and the history of typography, the history of design more than just kind of looking at trendy websites and, and knocking off the, the latest tutorials. <laughs> you know, back to this 15-year-old mythical kid who may or may not be listening, um, what would you, what advice, if you could go back to yourself at 15 years old and, you know, any, what advice would you give to them or what advice would you give to you, to you the day after you graduated college when you were thinking about starting this brand? Yeah, that's a tricky question. I'm not sure what I would say to myself um, other than just to keep working really hard. Um, what I like to tell people is, you know, find that thing that you're passionate about and do that. So if it's design, if that's what you, you know, you can't go to bed because you've got ideas running through your head and you want to do design, then that's the thing you should be doing. But maybe even though people keep saying you're so creative, you're so designed, but you're actually better at the programming side, you know, I'd push people more towards that and finding that one thing that, you know, when you're sitting around the table and your, your mind's starting to wander. What is the one thing that you can't stop thinking about? Um, really focusing on that and honing that skill. For me, that's design. And then, you know, it kind of transitioned, you know, the love of typography and a lot of the kind of the design aesthetic, the creation process for me is what I, I love, um, creating tangible products. Um, so whatever that thing is that keeps you up at night um, or you can't stop thinking about it, I would tell that kid that's, you know, listening or that, um, has an interest in, in creating a brand or a business, whatever that is, that specific thing is to really focus on that and just go all for it and dedicate as much time as you can to getting really good at that specific thing. That's that's some excellent advice. I'm wondering what is, you know, Ugmunk sells a lot of products, um, as you as you know, I'm sure. Um, what is, what's your favorite thing that you sell? Like, and, but not what, not what sells the most, but like out of everything you've ever made, whether it's still on sale or you've discontinued it, What's the favorite thing? Isn't that asking, like, what's your favorite child or something like that? <laughs> no, right answer to that. Uh-huh. No, but you got to have a favorite. 
You gotta have something yeah, you I just mean, love. There's a uh, the giant. Actually, we're I think we're sold out of them now. Um, there's a giant 18 inch wood carved ampersand that we made, um, which is just beautiful in person. And it was again something I never thought of even making until um, I was doing a small um, art show at a store in San Francisco, and we had created some wood signage. One of them being the ampersand and uh, some Ugg Monk signage to create. Uh, a special display of the the shirts and everything, and really that was what it was. The purpose was for. But as soon as we opened the show, I got comments like, "Hey, where do I buy that?" And they were all pointing towards the wood ampersand. <laughs> I said, "I only have one, and I, I really only created one for that purpose. It was very expensive to make, and um, never even thought about selling it. It wasn't it wasn't even my plan." But then um, the more and more comments I got, um, people were saying, "You know, I want that. I want that for my living room. I want that in the centerpiece of my office, or you know, the architecture studio." And um, so then we, you know, decided to do a small run of them, and then we've sold through a few runs of them, just very, very limited because they're uh, very labor intensive. But um, that's probably one of my favorite things, and kind of embodies the, you know, the tangibility of that wood, uh, giant wood signage. You know, looking at that and seeing how Ugg Monk has evolved from shirts all the way to things like that um, is probably one of my favorites. I mean, that is that is truly a beautiful product, and I can see where, you know, you got the idea from. I'm wondering, you know, where do you get your inspiration for other things? I know you talked about the, you know, the end that I woke up, it comes from, you know, waking up from your dreams and your wife's dreams. I'm wondering, like, does all, does your do your designs all stem from personal stories like that or just do they just pop into your head or are they things that other people say hey this would be cool you should do it um yeah all of the above um they're not all necessarily things that i've come up with you know i didn't create the phrase you know do what you love love what you do that's obviously a lot of people have said that so a lot of the things are either quotes or parts of quotes or um, just phrases that I hear and they do, you know, I keep a running list and I just have, um, you know, I have probably 50 or more ideas sitting on that list um, of different phrases or things that I want to create. Um, and then some of the geometric or the, the other ones, there's a shirt that's called prime time and uh, just the prime numbers are in white and then the rest are in black. And it's, um, there's not a real deep meaning or story behind that, but people that understand math at all, um, get it, and it's those little things. I, I like it to have some extra meaning, but then there's shirts like Mountains or um, some of the more geometric ones. They don't really have a, a whole story behind them, but there's something about the the way that they look on a shirt and the just the wearableness of them um, that's really attractive to me and has attracted a lot of other people. So as we're you know slowly getting to the end of the show, I'm trying to. I, I'm wondering what is the future hold? What do you, what do you see in the future or in the future for Ugmunk? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, part of not coming from a business background or thinking about, you know, I, I never think about getting bought out or selling out my company because it's my personal brand. It's like this is my life and I, I enjoy it too much to even think that way. Um, so I, I don't really have these five and ten year plans, but I do hope to continue um, expanding the brand, you know, laterally into other products, but still coming back to that same um, feeling that need of something that I wanted to exist. So whether it's more clothing, um, we'll still be doing t-shirts as prior main product. And that's what people seem to come back for the most, but you know, other little desk accessories and other things that enhance life. And then I use and, and even getting into some more industrial design and, uh, just continue to grow the, the grow the brand, how I've done it really organically. Um, you know, I don't do paid advertising and I don't, um, do a lot of the, 
probably optimization and things that I could be doing better, but, but I just try, try and focus my time on the things that want to exist and then figure out how do I make them and how do I manufacture them. Well, that's great. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, before we wrap up, I'm wondering um, where, you know, where can we find, where can listeners find Ugmunk and you particularly on the internet? Yep. Uh, the main site is just ugmunk.com. That's U-G-M-O-N-K.com. A lot of people, for some reason, think it's U-G Monk is the brand name, but it's just one word, Ugmunk. And uh, I'm Ugmunk on Twitter, Ugmunk on Instagram. I post a lot of random photos that don't have a lot to do with um, necessarily the brand, but just kind of my personal life, and I enjoy taking photos. Um, um, Facebook, just facebook.com slash Ugmunk. So pretty much everywhere, it's the same. It's simple, and uh, you can check out our site, check out the About page, and there's a whole video about some of the my philosophy behind the brand and how it got started. The video, the video is excellent, so everyone should watch that. Last question, and usually I ask where can we find you as the last question, but this one just popped into my head. Where did the name Ugmunk come from? I figured, I figured that was coming after <laughs> I went through that. Um, another one that I need to create a really funny story for, or something that sounds really clever, but um, the so the name we just came up with, um, the actual origin of the word we don't disclose, at least yet. Um, but the way that we landed on Ugmunk was that we were about to put the site up. I had to de- design some sort of brand for the first four shirts. Um, and so we had to call it something. We had to get a URL and, and put up a website. And we were going through all these word games and trying to be all clever with design terms. And um, they were all just really cheesy, and it didn't sound like anything <laughs> different than the rest of everything else that was out there. And uh, we were throwing out other – so then we just started throwing out all these words that we had either made up or had – up with and googling them and just seeing what was open because um, it's really hard obviously to get a short url these days and yes it is yeah and we uh googled that there was like two results and it was some other language um and now so we just grabbed it and kind of ran with it without again without really thinking too far in advance and now if you google Ugmonk, there's like i don't know 20 or thirty thousand results that all <laughs> trickle back to Ugmonk because it's the only Ugmonk. uh you know that's out there so that's the the grand story behind the name well i can't wait to hear what the origin of the name is uh hopefully sometime in the future jeff i want to thank you so much for spending some time with me uh to talk about the brand and about ugmunk you know that i'm a big fan and i hope my listeners become big fans if they're not already um thanks again and thank you to all the listeners out there for listening to how to hold a pencil you can find us on twitter at hold a pencil you can find me on twitter at ruben ingber And if you have some time, uh, I'd love it if you could review it in iTunes or send me an email or a tweet and let me know what you think of the show. I really appreciate it. And have a great, great day.